Anyway, shall we talk about Mr. White and Mr. Black? Mr. Well, Ebony and Ivory come together in perfect harmony. You so talking about the concept of music in general, or you mean specifically about the about Mr. White, wow. as in Jack White, not Jake White, the former coach of the Wallabies? Is this the J.K. Rowling's? And I don't mean like let's cancel this artist completely, but like no one can tell Jack what to do, so he's just going to do whatever the fuck he wants. Album? Like, no, that was the last five of these fucking solo albums. Have you not been but paying attention? There's a lot of ideas in here, and some of it's okay, but it sort of felt like someone needed to go, hey, this bit that's a bit of a banger, can we can we sort of dress that up a little bit more and make that into an actual song, or, you know, are you just going to waffle off into the, this other thing that you want to do? Like, You see, I've come out the other side on this because... The lo- every you, one of Jake White's you, you, albums have been solo albums have been so relentlessly masturbatorial and self indulgent. This, this is like a welcome relief. That this actually has got much more. It's got the most White Stripes energy of anything he's recorded since two thousand and fucking seven. I actually felt that this is the first time for a long time I felt a little bit of hope listening to a Jack White album, thinking. Oh, because no, you phrased the question last week. All I, all I really want is a is him to just do a kick-ass guitar album where he shreds a lot. Yeah. He shreds a lot of this album. He shreds a lot. He, of this he, album, he yeah. has put away all the yeah. keyboards and all that sort of stuff, and he spends oh, yeah, a lot of time stomping on pedals and just shredding the fuck out of shit. And that there, at least is a positive development. There's a lot of look how fucking good I am on the guitar. There is a <laughs> there's album. a lot of there's a lot of fucking you know I'm not any Van Halen but you know the, I am of my generation's attempt. I mean there is there are definitely some hits and misses in this. Anytime that he tries to do any kind of crossover pop hit, like when he he gets Q-Tip in that Heidi Heidi Ho song, that that was a bag of shit. That, that was a waste yep. of Q-Tip's it was, time. It was a waste of our time. It was a waste of everybody's time. It was weird. Yeah, Twilight's a bit of another missed attempt at manufacturing a crossover pop hit, but I found there were quite a lot of tracks I actually enjoyed. Um, he, he is orbiting it around a concept. It's not quite a concept album, but this idea of the sun and, and you know the darkness and being in the dawn and all that kind of shit. Uh, well, but- well, that 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 gave me an idea, right? It is like this was like there was a lot of good things in it, and it just felt like he needed the right collaboration and a little bit of focus. And I wondered yeah. whether what Meg might be good for him... White. Meg White. I wonder what might be good for him is like... Ritalin? Uh, so they're they're rebooting The Crow, right? They're, they're rebooting The Crow. So how about Jack White pulls together... <laughs> the we next... shoot Jack White with a fake stunt gun and kill him? Is that the idea? <laughs> no, no. I don't no, think like, that's cool. Like, like, like Who Jack gets custody White... of all the upholstery? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, curates the next Crow album, and, and you know gets a bunch of people in to do songs in that sort of Crow, like because that Crow soundtrack is legendary now, and you could sort of do, you know, the next generation of that and have him curate it, and it would give, you know, I don't know, it just felt like this this lacked a sense of purpose. He wouldn't um, want something so, quite so corporate. Yeah, I guess so. I felt that, I'd, you know, it has no purpose, but I think like it had more purpose than, you know, almost anything that he's done for an extremely long time. Mm. You know, I, I felt, you know, I felt a little bit more confident with, you know, I, I, and that's not to say I liked the album, but I was encouraged by it. 
Yeah, I don't know whether like's the right word. I listened to it a couple of times, and there was definitely bits where it's like, holy shit, this guitar is really good. And then the Q-tip song, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's just, uh, it, it was it was too up and down, I think, to, to really to really immerse yourself and enjoy the whole thing. Um, but it wasn't bad. I don't think it was a bad album, which is my sort of fear for it. I'll, no, I, I, it wasn't any, it, like, I was expecting it to be as bad as the Chili Peppers album. Yeah. And it's no, definitely it, not no, that. No, this it's, is, it's, it's, it's a couple of classes ahead of that. This might be the best Jack White solo album, which I, and it might okay. be the best thing Jack White's done since The White Stripes. I mean, some of those Raconteurs albums were really good. Um, actually, they, I reckon probably maybe the, the, the first and the second Raconteurs album might be, or Saboteurs, depending on what market you're in, uh, they, they might be over, the, uh, might be better. But then again, he had a lot of, lot of help with them. And I remember the, um, the band you were talking about where, um, The Kills and he collaborated. That was actually a thing called The Dead Weather, where he yeah, and Alison Mossart from that, The Kills. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that, that was, that was, a, that was a different thing again. But, um, but this is, but this is not only the best thing he's done by himself for a long time. That sort of the the dead weather sort of feels like an Alison Moss project where he gets to come in and just shred on guitar. Yeah, he's like Alison. It's it's just like instead of Jamie Oldmate, whatever his name is from the Kills, it's 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 uh, it's Jack White in there. Um, yeah, it's um yeah yeah it's um yeah that what a fucking great great review that is. So um, did, it's it's a little bit I, like you know it's a bit odd that um it's got the most white stripes energy of anything you solo releases, particularly the opening couple of tracks, and it's odd that it's. He's actually just remarried. In fact, he, he did a gig at in Detroit, um, apparently, where he dedicated a song to Meg uh, and then um, did Hotel Yorba, which is, has the track, you know, the, the line, let's get married in a big cathedral with a priest. And then in that moment, he actually proposed to his girlfriend. Um, and then later on in, in, the, in the concert, they actually got married on stage in Detroit because Detroit's where, he, where he's from, so... Um, so he actually got, he's almost like he's put the white stripes part behind him and that makes him more comfortable with it being the guy from the white stripes and playing stuff that sounds like the white stripes. And that also mm. is interesting with that color, that palette color inversion, whereas he was all about the red and white when he was obsessively so like, a, like, um, OCD style, everything had to be red and white when he was, when he was a white stripe. And now he's very clearly gone with that, kind of that blue and black template, uh, palette, um, for everything he does now, dyeing his hair blue. It's like he's, he's deliberately inverted who he was, but in order to become that person that he was previously again. Very fucking odd, man. Extremely odd. Well, well. speaking of things that were relevant in 2009, should we talk about the... Uh... <laughs> we should probably tick off the Zero Seven album. Now, um, now uh, I think yeah. you had the question, you were trying to phrase the question, that, you know, what, what happened to Zero Seven after Sia fucked off and went solo? And, and it, we kind of inadvertently got an answer in that what they did was they released an album that apparently was so forgettable that you didn't yeah, notice that just, they released it. And then when I, it got re-released in 2022, you thought it was a new album, which is what happened last week, folks. And, and I listened to this album twice going, oh, yeah, this is totally something. This sounds years. like peak. This <laughs> sounds like yeah, peak not, 07. No, no, no. I, I thought I, I thought the opposite. I thought this is twenty years removed. From- oh, you thought they were washed? Yeah, and it was literally like a, a week and a half after Sierra left. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, oh my god, this is like you know them sort of twiddling around and okay, there's but it, but it was like so simple things as the album that I like, which is two thousand and one, um, and just that good Charlotte. 
Uh, and, and like, I, I think about the thing about Zero Seven is they're just on the the verge of being sort of toy, but it's just good enough that it doesn't irritate you. So as soon as you drop a little bit off that off off the peak. It's like, oh man, this is just like elevator music. It's just generic, what, yeah. It's just really yeah. generic dance pop. And and so I was just like, ah, oh, this is, you know, this is just a cash in. And so when you went, ah, oh, dude, this is an old album. I was like, oh, I, 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 I had this whole spiel about them, you know, being washed up twenty years removed from simple things and and not being able to do what they did before, and it was literally in period. But that tells uh, you how quickly they got washed up. Yeah, pretty much. And how the style like just disappeared like that? You know? Yeah, how how the the, the vanguard yeah. left them essentially. So so that's zero seven. Still, it's aged better than Kevin zero seven. Shall we get to Spider Bait, which was the most fascinating uh, for me because while I always listened to the radio stuff and the singles and and the stuff that was out on compilations albums, I don't know how many spider bait albums i owned and listened to front to back multiple times in period i feel like um, every shit house had like a yeah, copy of every I, every spider bait album that somebody but had I, but, yeah i think somebody had it but, but I we, but no one could mine. figure out who actually owned it yeah uh, it wasn't mine it wasn't one of those ones that lived in the car like a uh, like an angel dust. That's that, be- that's that because they, they often flogged. often there were there were gaps and patches on a on a Spider Man album. There were bits like this doesn't make sense in the context of everything else. But the thing is that the, the, this collection of, of Janet's songs kind of illustrates quite what a range she has. That's the thing that kind of yeah, strikes you a- is that there are there are all, you know there's a three to three and a half chord fucking thrash bangers. But there's also you know she's doing Jackson Five. She's doing like Groove Armada style fucking mainstream dance with ass hacking pants. She's doing a possible impression of Trip Hop with um, Bessie's Last Journey. It's all, and Glockenpop feels, you know, like, I mean, Glockenpop came out, it was the on the album that, that was after Happy Land, so you can almost kind of feel Quan's yeah, influence. This is very kind of. <laughs> Sort of crystal clear China pure pop with, with just a, a like a nasty little little cynical um, uh, lyric to it. But, um, but even stuff like Bessie's Last Journey and yeah. Big Very Green Monster, like I feel there's a little bit of uh, Dave Grainy quirkiness in a lot of her stuff. Uh, the, the Green Fairy Monster one that, that you mentioned last week because you're like I don't think I've ever heard this song and it's had yeah. like 15 plays. Um, that was almost Frente-ish. And the yeah. funny thing is that early in her career, she had such a, such a, 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 a really clear voice. It, she kind of one thing that annoyed me. My favourite Spider-Man album is actually Tonight Alright, um, which I see as the Electric Six Fire of their work because every song references either Tonight or Alright, um, and that was the one from 04 that had Black Betty on it. Um, but one of the things that annoyed me about that album was that Jan- everything Janet recorded, she stuck a distortion uh, filter over her own vocal. Uh, like she wasn't yeah, confident with it anymore, or her voice had kind of cracked up a little bit. So, but there's a sweet spot. But her songwriting was at her, was at her best in, in the kind of the early 2000s. So it's, there's like a sweet spot there while her voice was still really beautiful, and uh, or she wasn't putting filters on it. And, and, and her songwriting prowess was, and that's kind of kind of late 90s, early 2000s. I think. All my favourite songs of hers are kind of uh, off the sort of the first first half of the 2000s. I think. 
ADD out of my head, live in a box. Um, I, they're, they're my favourite Jabbit songs. Apart from, obviously, fucking, you know, hot water and milk and calypso and the stuff. It's, um, um, I think the Big Apples. The, the, the boys love that. And, like, that Frente is a good call. So it's almost like Frente, if Frente had a, a, a thrash level that they could go to because yes. the the boys love the spider bait songs where they go from this beautiful Soft to loud, yeah. sweet pop to just like dropping the hammer like yeah. I, I love calypso is the, the perfect room. example of yeah that. yeah and it's it's just it, it's a joy to watch young hmm. kids but but like because the they anticipate the, the the launch yeah and they get counted in like you know outside but oh, but um it was really interesting because I put this on for the uh, for the boys. We were going on a, on a drive somewhere. Uh, they love Glock and Pop, and they straight away they're like, "Oh, that's the." <laughs> Though the funny one was, what did they? They knew it was like Calypso and Black Betty, and then I think they named an Imagine Dragon song, and I'm like, "No, no, guys, this is not the thing." No. <laughs> but. Um, but it was really interesting seeing them work through a, a band that they knew from the hits and then working through some of their other stuff. Almost uh, like, oh, that's that band as well. Yeah. Because I would have had really... the same experience, maybe not quite as early as that, but with the Huda Gurus. I'm like, mm. oh, that's that band. But that's also that band. Like, that's also mm. that band. You know, it's like when, it, when there's an act that has a bunch of different faces, particularly when they've got two different songwriters and two different uh, vocalists. Um, they play a lot of they can roll out a whole lot of different looks I might go back and listen to some of their album stuff after this uh, yeah it, like I think they're a lot more quirky and a lot more exploratory than I'd sort of given them credit for yep um, well I can think of Janet tracks that aren't on this album that, I, that I'm a little bit surprised by like Joyce's Heart and things like that uh, that there were more instrumental or electronic um, yeah I think um I think the Big Apples is a really good album. Grand Slam, I think we did as a classic. I think that's probably end to end is one of their best. And um, and as I say, Tonight All Right, which was 2004, uh, I think, or 2005, 2004, I think, uh, is my personal favourite. The one in between um, has some really good tracks. I think it's Flight of Wally Funk. Has some really good tracks, but I think has uh, some unfortunate crap on it. Mm. Oh, definitely the most enjoyable part of the week, though, this album. Like, the, the, the Jack White stuff was cool in bits, but this was just interesting from start to finish. Even the stuff that didn't really hit my wheelhouse, there was always something there. It's like, holy shit, these guys have way more range than I remembered. And this is only half the band, right? Like, this Yeah, is, this is only like, one of the songwriters, uh, essentially. Half the vocal stylings I don't of think the band. Whit, I don't think Whit, the guitarist, ever wrote anything. I think he just sort of helped out. Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you because while I love Janet English's output, I fucking love that Wet Leg album. Oh, okay. What That what conversation the... fell off a cliff, didn't it? <laughs> what was the... I just really liked its character. I really liked its kind of meld, Quirk. kind of quirky, fun, indie, the... kind of art rock, 80s post-punk... Bits of Bjork, bits that felt like like Catatonia or the Cardigans, that kind of Scandinavian yeah, sound. Well, okay, Cardigans. Um, so just I, that I, kind I of, but talk. just that kind of relentless weirdness. And there were hits and misses on this too. I mean, I don't, I don't need to hear so many songs about 
you know, your shitty breakups, but there were just some really great fucking engaging songs like Chase Lounge and Wet Dream and Your Mum and Oh No and that song about getting fucking high in the supermarket. That's fun. I just really, I was really encouraged by this album. I was actually not quite as encouraged as one website I saw, which was like a more traditional music, Australian music website that was so, you know, this this album is now number one in Australia and New Zealand. Like, isn't it great to see a rock album number one? And like, oh wow, album? what the rock fuck? Album, hard rock, out of pinch. That's, I mean, it's got guitars in it. It's got that, guitars. Like, is that what we're claiming as rock now? That's like saying the Spanish new guitar. Pepper. John Williams stuff is now rock, but no. The, um, the new Chili Peppers album is a funk album. <laughs> it was, it's certainly pretty comprehensively funk. Um. Oh, okay, so I got this completely wrong. I listened to this and went, "Oh man, the doc is just going to get so frustrated with the the tweeness and the and the weird." What do you think it was the, like? Sad indie girls. Now that was more kind of yeah. sarcastic, drunken indie girls, which yeah, is much more. Yeah, that's my right. It, it was. It was definitely it, it's more. It's definitely on that. you know singing songs about you know the douchebags they've dated and uh, going to parties that suck and getting off your face. I, I, and, um, I really, um, I really enjoyed the the narrative of this. It, you so, could so, find the because they're from the Isle of Wight, but they're clearly there's a, there's a there's almost like an affected Scandinavian accent to the way that they sing, which is very Bjork, which is very Cardigans, like the lead singer of the Cardigans yeah. sort of thing, which I, which I quite like. So. Um, and it is kind of it is a little bit Welsh, and it is a little bit a little bit deliberately weird, but I think they carry it reasonably well. It so worries you, me, though, that if they were from Adelaide, rather than Chase Lounge, it would be Banana Lounge, and that wouldn't work anywhere near as well. Uh, so I'm glad they're not from Adelaide, even though Adelaide's even more inbred than the fucking Isle of Wight. The, the, the guy that, that got me onto this, who who has been, like, massively evangelising this on Twitter, is Edgar Wright of, you know, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead fame. Um, Baby Driver. I believe he did as well. Look, I watched the... Um, <laughs> I, I, again, slightly problematic because of the two leads. Indeed. Although all I've seen of Baby Driver was the opening sequence, which is um, basically just... Yeah, um, the, the Mint Royale. It's, um, no, it's fucking um, your man, John Spencer. Blues yes. explosion! Doing it's, it's um, bell bones. It's, it's blues explosion, but if you... Um, so Edgar Wright did... Essentially, he did a film clip for Mint Royale with um, oh, what's the Noel Fielding? Oh, um, well, mate, uh, the bakery baking dude, Mighty Bush yeah. and baking. Yeah, and and it's, it's you don't it's want to get typecast, so you got to have slightly different projects. That work it, on. It's essentially Baby Driver as as a music film clip, and then he's expanded. He's like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. I should make a movie out of that. Um, well, yeah, I get so the feeling that having watched the the. You know, the Bell Bottoms bit, that was pretty much the movie. There was nothing else that I needed to see of that. And then Kevin Spacey rocked up and I'm like, there's nothing more of this movie I need to see. But it's it's actors that are cunts are really problematic, aren't they? It's really not that good. I mean, any um, artist or any sports person or any just people generally. Look, we're, we're ruled by a whole bunch of... Stop being awful because you're awful and also you make us not be able to enjoy anything that you do. Apart from die. Um, if you die, we'll enjoy it. I can I can totally see Edgar Wright using these songs in in about fifty of his next movies. Uh, it almost feels more. Who's the guy who made that that uh, goal? Was it Golden State with Zach Braff? Yeah, yeah. That's it's that a, kind that, of that, quirky yes. indie com, indie rom com kind of thing. I, I, I you felt can hear great... you can hear fucking what is it the 
Oh, one of those sad songs where she's talking about how her boyfriend's a cunt not, to her. Not um, the shins. Yeah, so, so the more sad indie girl end of this. Of, of this. Yeah. Um, Look, that the, there was a, a great a great period, and I've talked about this heaps of times on the podcast because it, it linked into that sort of that musical feel. But there was a great period of indie teen romantic comedy in the in yeah. the um, in the US, which has sort of disappeared now. Uh, where a lot of these sort of bands, like Wet Leg, would totally be in the um, what's the guy from um, Arrested Development who like who perpetually looks Mr. Sad. Wendell. Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! That is not what I expected you to say. Uh, oh man, my brain is just not working today. Um, but this is the wet leg is, is, is exactly like their two singles would, or their two or three singles would be in the three indie yeah. movies of that year. They're big too. Like the chase, chase long and the wet dream. They're, they're big singles. That's the thing is that this is just a, this is a cutesy little indie band that are going to be fucking enormous. And somebody drew, mm. drew the comparison with them and, um, the Arctic monkeys, like sort of. 15, 16 years ago. Not just that they're on the same label, but it's kind of this band that just, it's clearly just an indie, an indie band, but they, there's just so much hype about them that they're going to quickly burst out of the, out of the sphere of being indie and just uh, become uh, genuinely uh, big. Oh, are we going to be like the Little Sims when they bring out their next al- album and Kingsmall's like, this is the album of the year? And we're like, fuck, we were on this, we were on this album before you. I, d- I don't think so because I think yeah. this is. I think everybody's on this one. It's going to be like that. It's going to be more like that Arctic Bunkies thing where everyone, like the first album comes out and I'm like, oh, I fucking love that album. And then they go off in a completely different direction. And I'm like, I liked your old stuff better than new stuff. Mm, raw blood? You're. You're. Yeah, that shit. Mm, well, I think you you definitely won the week. That's for sure. Th- this was the best album, yeah? It is. Well, we t- continuing, the Jack White has to be your... Um, your actual album pick because uh, Zero Seven, uh, Seven yeah. failed to qualify. But I mean, it's, I like the Jack White album. I, I, I enjoy both of these, both of our quote unquote new albums for this week. I, I, I enjoyed, you know, Jack White because he performed above expectations, and Wet Leg because it was just genuinely just fun and engaging. And uh, and I, I'm glad these these chucks are doing interesting things. Don't know why I'm saying that in a like a cliched Tony Martin accent, <laughs> but I am. I'm All standing right. in a well, kitchen shouting at the microphone. I, I am excited about my new album for the week. What do you got, Big Kev? Uh, so the Crystal Method have their follow-up to um, – what was the last one? Uh, it was the Trip Home. The, the Trip Home. So this is the Trip Out, which has a very psychedelic-looking cover. So I'm wondering whether it's a, actually a trip out to a club or whether it's an actual – Stay home and lie on the couch and take lots of psychedelics. Or whether that's the whole thing they're trying to get across. Yeah. So they are definitely in, or he, because it's sort of like one dude, but it, it's definitely in the. Concept. It is now, isn't it? It was. It was previously um, more than one dude, or am I? Yeah, I think it was two. I think well, it was I might the... be thinking of Filter. They're they're old collaborators. Filter Scott, Scott Kirkland and Ken Jordan, but Ken Jordan has retired. So I guess it's just Kirkland now. Um, but, a lot but of featurings I, I, on this album. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the last one. Like, I, I thought it, it, it petered out as an album. But well, it kind of meant to, of, didn't it? That was kind yeah, of a, that, that was the conceit. That's sort of how your night goes, right? Like you get to the you get to the end of a night, especially if you've taken drugs, which of course none of us have personal experience of. But um, it, like you get to that end of the night, and you're sort of coming down, and and the whole thing sort of just peters out into this sort of you know you're still enjoying yourself, but it's not. You don't have that euphoric feeling that you had earlier in the night yeah, where you're you absolutely feel slightly irritated and you want to go to bed. Yeah, and, and I thought they but actually really captured that really well. So, yeah, I really needed a kebab by the end of that album. <laughs> <laughs> this one's interesting. It's, a moment. it's only thirty-one minutes, which is pretty. Yeah, but, short but if you if you take DMT, get... it'll feel like four years. Yeah, that's right. Maybe maybe it's like you know, take four grams of mushrooms and then listen to this album, and it will go for forty-eight hours. Anyway, I'm excited, Crystal Method. The trip out. What do you got? I'm going to go weird. I'm going to go for an album by a band called Warm Dusha, uh, which is, I think, some kind of quasi supergroup of a whole bunch of other weird bands, including members of Fat White Family. Um, and they have a new album out. I've kind of, I enjoyed a few tracks off their last album, which I think was a couple of years ago. So I'm going to go for that. It is. It's a little bit like, I suppose, Electric Six, but sleazier. Um, oh, that sounds a lot. I like that description. And, and weirder and, and more, you know, more legally actionable. So uh, I'm going to go for that. So do you, do you have a Joker album? I, I do. Uh, it kind okay, of feeds cool. back to... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save this one for, for when next I win. Well, this worries me. Um, so we are talking about John Spencer uh, a bit earlier on. Um, and I was looking for a basketball track that I'd remembered vaguely from 20 years ago to as a play-out music on an episode of this ep- ep- podcast about a week or two ago. And I remembered um, Brassy's uh, Play Some D, and I ended oh, up yeah. using that yeah. as the play-out music. But I happened to click on the bio, and I'm like, it, uh, Muffin Spencer, kid sister of John Spencer, was you know living in... I'm like, what? What? I didn't know any of the backstory to this. So apparently it, it was... It's uh, Brassy was John Spencer's little sister living in the UK and collaborating with hip hop producers, and I thought I should probably listen to this fucking album because I haven't ever heard it. So um, rather than do it on my own, I'm going to make it our Joker album for this week. So this is uh, uh, the the Joker album for this following week is going to be Brassy's album from 2001. Excellent. That's it. It's one of those uh, not quite a classic, not what an undiscovered masterpiece. Uh, and the oh, sorry, uh, it was from two thousand. It was called "Got It Made." Got it made, two thousand. And it's what? got um, "Work It Out," which is the biggest hit, and uh, and "Play Some D," and some other bits and pieces. But but once you know it's it's a Spencer kid, you can recognise the relationship with rhythm, and the and kind of between the vocal and the rhythm, it does have a. It's almost like a genetic quality to it. You like it feels a little bit like a. Uh, you can feel a little bit of John Spencer coming through in it, which is which is really uh, interesting. Th- th- this bio is essentially someone waving street drugs at us, right? It's like, hey, want, want some want some John Spencer's sister? Yeah, you know, rapping, playing yes. some guitar yeah. <laughs> with a good bass player from the nineties. Yeah. From the nineties. <laughs> You want some of that? Yeah. Do you want, do you want like, everything that you like to do? 
<laughs> want a bit of Bismarcky? Yeah. Sort of feel? Discovered like on that. Triple J Hottest 100 2000. Wow. <laughs> uh, of course it was. It okay. does It does feel like it's of a moment, and that moment was when we were young and cool and had all our hair. It, look, it, it it's giving me artists like Peaches, Boss Hog, and Brass Tracks. So, well, certainly uh, giving you. I mean, Boss Hog is a given, given that's also John Spencer and his missus. Yeah. So yes, I'm um, I'm down for that. It sounds yeah. like a great week. I'm so ready. The, uh, Let's rock. It. Let's go. The Warm Dusher album is called At the Hotspot, and it follows up from their 2019 album Tainted Lunch. <laughs> and there are such tracks on At the Hotspot as uh, Fatso, Twitching in the Kitchen, and Greasing Up Jesus. <laughs> I think this is going to be fun or upsetting or both (laughs) or both. Look, we can go for both. Yeah. I think, I think (laughs) a little from column A and a little from column B. Ah, dear. All right. No worries. That was good fun. That was good fun. I enjoyed that, man. And uh, we will enjoy these albums and we'll come back to you in about seven days time, folks. And we'll tell you whether any of them were any fucking good or not. Because, of course, you listen to our opinions. Well, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you get my choice, do you? No, that's true. And look, we, we know more about music than Kingsmill at this stage, so... <laughs> we know more about music than all the Kingsmills. <laughs> the Hoodoo drummer and the bloke who somehow has worked been, worked as a public servant for since 1982, whatever the Triple J had started. Uh, see you, Doc. Cheers, man. <laughs> Good fun. Yeah, that was that was good. I think this is going to be a good week, hey. Yeah, yeah, it's got that. It's got that. I get that little tingly feel. It's yeah. like, oh, I want to go. I want to go listen to it on the headphones. And right also, probably first week for a while, we haven't actually had a freaking conventional four on the floor rock band. And I looked at that crystal method with thirty minutes. Like, thirty minutes and fucking Iggy Pop is on it. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of odd stuff on there. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't know. It's, it, it sort of baffles me that one. That one was one that I thought would be like an hour and 20 and would be, you know, I might actually have to take mushrooms to, to understand how it actually works. Well, the longest album we have this week is, is the Brassy album at 41 minutes 39. (laughs) But uh, with a, with a chili pepper style, 40, uh, 17 songs, some of them are incredibly short. So um, I got a feeling this is going to feel like a like a a mashup of Beastie Boys and Blues Explosion, mm. which is not a bad place to yeah, be. Yeah, I was going to say that, that that sounds awesome with a bit of British fucking early, you know, turn of the century, whatever the hip hop market, pre grime, uh, whatever that feels like. So um, mm. I've I've been hitting my grime Red Bull playlist, and man, just please, can you can you? Been dead, is it? Ah, uh, just the, the the guns and the bitches and the, yeah, it, 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 they seem to be doubling down a little bit more on that. So, well, it sells, they're, but they're just doing the same shit that they were doing in the states in like nineteen ninety one. Like, what's the fucking point? Mm. 
Music, 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 music. Man, my main Twitter is just something I have to dip in and out of. I it just. It I really have like down. I have so many filters on. It's like I've I've got <laughs> there's so many things that are stopping content get through getting through to me, and so many people whose retweets have been turned off because they just can't fucking help themselves, like reposting bloody horrific images from the Ukraine or ridiculous takes about whatever ScoMo's latest brain fart is. Like, I don't need it. Come here for a holiday. Hey, um, Dante's having a good Barcelona se- season, like, just in the fact that he, he ha- is playing a whole season for Barcelona. Yes! But, like... <laughs> Any kind of season um, would be good. Yeah, but he's but he's had, like, four poster dunks this week. Like, just this week. I just keep getting... Them come up in my feed. He, he's playing like solidly for Barcelona. That's like, good. Like, That's really good. But, but good enough that I think, and you and I sort of uh, might not think that that's probably the best thing for him, but he'll probably get a bench job back in the NBA next year. I hope not. Yeah, um, I kind of hope. I'd rather, I'd rather he was well paid and successful in a beautiful city, you know, in Europe where they only have to play two or three times a week, you know. That might be better for his frame, yeah. I might have to go to Paris for work in the next six months. That'll be nice. For work. I'm doing the, the quotation marks. No, no, because we're getting into a particular... Um, drugs. Uh, Just like, say it. You're selling drugs. drugs. Yeah. We're, we're selling drugs, yeah. Yes. For, for <laughs> French Connection 3, Bezo goes to Paris. Um, but there's a, a massive... Um, oh, it's like a food trends um, show in Paris every year. <laughs> and mine is like, I really think it'd be valuable for you to go to really expand your mind about what's going to happen in the food industry over the next year. It's like, yeah, send me a tour of food show in Paris. I'm, re- I'm really going to complain about that one. Oh, no, please don't throw me in the, in the bramble bush. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I might not have to eat for two weeks beforehand. Just you might not be able to that. eat for six weeks afterwards because you look like fucking, you look like Jokic's fat brother. Uh, all right. Good stuff. That was good. Yep. Tight and bright. Catch you next week. See ya. What the fuck is wrong with people?